Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. 39 and single. Can someone help me out? He could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black to white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need Hello, my friends. First, thank you to all my new patrons from the last two weeks. We passed my goal of $850, and somehow some of you are still subscribing. So now we're up to $903, and I'm just blown away by the support. As always, I couldn't do this without you. Literally, as gratifying as making this podcast is, I couldn't and I wouldn't do it without the money that's coming in from Patreon. So, Thank you to Susie, Dana F., Gina D., Tasha M., Aaron M., Molly B., Devin L., Gabrielle G., and thank you also to Becky G., Emily B., and Harper T. for raising your subscriptions. Now, before I tell you all about my cross-country trip and then get into our wonderful interview, I just want to talk about what's going on in the United States right now. I know none of you are tuning into this podcast to hear about my political views, though I'm sure you can tell where I stand on most things, but human rights are not political. So, here we go. Last week, I drove across the country, and the fact that I would have been too afraid to make that trip as a black person was not lost on me. At no point did I feel unsafe. In fact, while driving through Kansas, a cop pulled up behind me. I was speeding a little, maybe 79 miles an hour, and then he came up to the side of me, pulled up next to me, and he saw my face, and he changed his mind, and he just gave me a little signal to slow down. I gave him a smile and a thumbs up and he drove away. Maybe he decided not to pull me over because I'm a friendly-looking woman, but maybe it was more because I was a friendly-looking white woman. Would I have looked suspicious if I was black and was too afraid to flash a toothy grin? I've read thousands of posts this week, each one stabbing me in the gut as I bear witness to the pain that people of color have to endure day in and day out. The fear that they or their families will get killed by the police, the very people that are supposed to protect them. This fear on top of the despicable racial inequities built into our society, disparities in our healthcare system from infant mortality and maternal death rates to black people dying of COVID-19 at a rate three times as high as whites to the fucked up racial disparities in incarceration, with black people being incarcerated at five times the rate of whites. It's sickening and heartbreaking, and I feel helpless, and I'm not good at talking about any of this stuff because I'm afraid I'll I'll say it wrong, but my heart is breaking. I just keep saying heartbreaking because my heart is breaking for black people, and I want to do anything I can to make them feel better, even if I fuck up and I'm doing it a little bit wrong along the way. Jesus. You guys are used to me crying, but it's usually about myself. Ugh, I just feel terrible for people, for black people. <clears throat> I read a post last week from a black man in his 40s. Uh, yikes. Hey, it's Molly. It's about an hour later, and I'm feeling much better, and I'm thinking, geez, lady, get it under control. So anyway, here's what I was trying to say, but with less tears. So I read this post last week from a black man who looks like he's in his 40s maybe, maybe, or late 30s. The post included a sweet picture of him holding his daughter's hand as they walked their dog down a pretty suburban street. Here's a tiny snippet of what he wrote. I would be scared to death to take these walks without my girls and my dog. In fact, in the four years living in my house, I have never taken a walk around my neighborhood alone and probably never will. When I'm walking down the street holding my young daughter's hand and walking my sweet fluffy dog, I'm just a loving dad and pet owner, taking a break from the joylessness of crisis homeschooling. But without them by my side, almost instantly I morph into a threat in the eyes of some white folks. Instead of being a loving dad to two little girls, unfortunately, all that some people can see is a six-foot-two, athletically built black man in a cloth mask who's walking around in a place where he doesn't belong. 
even though I'm still the same guy who just wants to take a walk through his neighborhood. It's equal parts exhausting and depressing to feel like I can't walk around outside alone for fear of being targeted. And he says a lot more, and he ends it with... As for me, I'll continue to walk these streets holding my eight-year-old daughter's hand in hopes that she'll continue to keep her daddy safe from harm. Jesus, that really kills me. Black people and all people of color need white people to do better. We need to stand up and protect them. We need to go to the protests. We need to form barriers between them and the police. We need to stop putting money into funding police and start reallocating money into services for the people. And most of all, we need to speak up and be actively anti-racist. It's not enough to know in your heart that you're not racist and then just be quiet about it. If you are not speaking up and standing up for black lives, you are complicit in the violence that is erupting all over this country. I hope that this is super obvious for all of you, and I suspect that it is, but if it gives you a negative reaction, if it's hard for you to swallow, please don't just blow it off. Think about your privilege. In fact, let me go back to that guy's post because he talks about white privilege. He writes, Having white privilege doesn't mean that your life isn't difficult. It simply means that your skin color isn't one of the things contributing to your difficulties. Case in point, if it never crossed your mind that you could have the cops called on you for simply bird watching, then know that this is a privilege that many black and brown people, myself included, don't currently enjoy. White people, we need to do better. So what am I doing? Well, for starters, I'm talking about this out loud rather than just reposting about it on Instagram and Facebook. It's not easy for me. Like I said earlier, uh, I, I'm very insecure about my words and about whether or not I'm fucking this up and saying everything completely wrong or if I sound naive or whatever, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm talking to my friends and my family about this, having conversations. I'm showing up at protests to show my support. I'm donating money. I'm emailing city council members and asking them to defund the police. And I'm beginning to do my reading. I just started reading or I downloaded on Audible, I downloaded How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And on the way in the mail is White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism, and another book, The New Jim Crow. I am also committing to looking at my own life and the ways in which I've benefited from my own white privilege, from a system that was built by the oppression of and violence against black people so that I can be actively anti-racist and a better ally. Black people have been fighting for justice for hundreds of years and it is time for all of us to give them a fucking break and take on the responsibility of creating a better society where they can just live and breathe in fucking peace. Anyway, thank you for letting me share that. I know a lot of you, um, you know what, I know all of you feel this way, I think, but it was my responsibility to talk about it and if you're not talking about it, it's also your responsibility. So get to it. Okay, some updates about my life. Well, I have an ultrasound scheduled for June 8th. That's when my two weeks of birth control will be up and I will be on the road to doing my next embryo transfer. What else? Oh yeah, I had this amazing cross-country road trip. <laughs> First of all, saying goodbye to my parents was just as awful as I expected it would be. I spent hours driving away wondering why the hell I was leaving and if I'd made the wrong decision. And I still don't know if I made the right decision, but I'm just taking the next few weeks to reassess my priorities, to look at my life, and, and figure out what makes the most sense. Stay in LA, move to New York, try to figure out a way to do both. We'll see. I'm working on it. Anyway, after 11 hours of driving on day one, I made it to a small farm in Carthage, Indiana, where I pitched a tent, lit a fire, and made myself a delicious meal. Oh, it was the best. It was so beautiful. Except for the uh, crickets and the frogs and the birds. They were screaming all night long, and the ground was really hard, and I yeah, forgot that that's what camping is like. So I did not get very good sleep that night, but that's okay. Also, I bet some of you are wondering about the bathroom situation. I did bring with me a baby potty, which I tried to use in the back of my SUV. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the baby potty doesn't really work in the SUV. It did work, however, in the tent, which is cool. I also had a female urinal with me, which I did use on the side of the road multiple times. 
But anyway, I didn't use any gas station bathrooms, and so I was able to avoid most human contact. I say most because the next day I drove eight hours to Kansas City, where I stayed at my cousin's house. But she had a spare bedroom that nobody had touched in in a month, so... It was cool. And we spent most of the day outside or the evening outside. We had dinner. We did yoga. We walked around the block. I got to hang with her cute little family. It was the best. And of course, we stayed socially distanced. The next day, I drove to Boulder, Colorado, where I got to see two more sets of cousins. And of course, we spent most of our time outside. We had some dinner outside. And when I went to my other cousin's house, she also had a spare bedroom that nobody had used in a month. And... It was just so lovely to see my family. The next morning I woke up and I went over to my aunt's house over in Boulder. I've got a lot of family in Boulder, I guess. And um, we sat in her garden for an hour and then I took off for Zion. Zion was about nine hours away and the whole drive there was absolutely breathtaking and spectacular. When I got to Zion, I, 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 I found my way to my campground and the drive up to my campground was insane. There were cliffs on either side of me. If anybody else were driving, I, I would have had a panic attack and I would have jumped out of the car. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. There were monstrous rock formations above me and everywhere around me. I was driving on a tiny dirt road that took a half hour to get up. When I finally got to my campground, it was a little bit before sunset. I pitched my tent. I made my fire. I made my dinner. It was absolutely beautiful. Probably the most beautiful campground I've ever been in my life, been to in my life. And uh, I slept really well, probably because I was so exhausted from three days of driving. The next morning, I drove deeper into Zion. I went for a six-mile walk. Then I got back to my car and I drove home. That night, I was absolutely exhausted. I ordered groceries and ordered from my favorite little Italian restaurant, and I've been exhausted ever since. But I'm getting back to normal. And now it's time for our interview. Today, we're talking to a married couple, Kaz and Maddie. Kaz is a listener and a trans man, and I am so excited to have these two on the show to get a new perspective on this whole upside-down fertility world. Hi! 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 How are you? We're good. How are you? You have matching nose rings. I know. Our glasses are also very similar. Too. Oh yeah, they are. And your hair. <laughs> I'm her stylist. Yeah. Just always her stylist or COVID stylist? No, always. Always. <laughs> well, you, Kaz, you reached out to me just to say hi and thanks. I think. Yeah. And I yeah. said, would you be a guest on my show? <laughs> I found your podcast. I know Josie. Oh, yeah. We grew up together and did theater together. Um, uh-huh. So I know her and she posted on Facebook that her and Josie and Lincoln were on your podcast. And so I listened and she posted that about this, about two weeks before we were going to try for home insemination for Maddie at the first time. And so it's oh just my sort goodness. of into place. Yeah. And I've listened to just about every episode now. And it's been really, really helpful for me in terms of just like, it's just helped me wrap my head around a lot of things. So. Yeah. You also said in your email that you're trans, you're a trans I, man. Yeah. And I thought I would love to have your perspective on the show. It's interesting because I've seen a lot of information about couples who are trying to conceive, but mm-hmm. less people who are in our situation. They're definitely out there, but not not a ton and not super visibly. Yeah. The main question I have on my mind is, before you transitioned, did you think about your future fertility? I didn't. Um, I, you know, I don't think before I started medically transitioning that I wanted to, I don't know that I wanted to have kids. I don't, I don't know. So mm-hmm. I um, I had a hysterectomy in my in a ophorectomy almost eight eight nine years ago, and some part of me now that I've got a great partner that I actually like want to have kids with, uh-huh. but I had frozen my eggs at the time just so that I we could have a kid that you know maybe I was genetically related to, as well as a kid that Maddie was genetically related to. Um, and so I like, actually said uh huh right when you said a key word. I think you said, did you say you wish that you had? Yeah, I wish oh. that I, I wish that I had frozen my eggs now. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it would be. I think it would have been really great now that I've got a great partner to have to be able to, you know, Maddie would carry obviously, but if we had some of my eggs as well, so 
But unfortunately, you know, nine years ago, I didn't think I was going to have a great partner. And- right. So I guess obviously you didn't know Kaz before transition. No, no, we met. Um, you were several years post medically transitioned. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I gave up the whole like story by asking that question. So if you want to take it back to the beginning and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, we we started thinking about having kids last year, but Maddie's job wasn't She's a mail carrier, and her job was kind of crazy for a while. There was it wasn't the right time financially, and you know, just in terms of having the time for a kid. And then we also bought a house last year, so yeah, <laughs> yeah but, that's a lot. But so we started looking into stuff probably last fall. We originally had found this midwife clinic down in Denver that does insemination, and when we they have a whole process for like fertility consultation and stuff. And we called them to set up a, a, like the day that we called, set up an appointment, I called and said, they said, oh no, we're closing next week. And they've completely and totally closed down. So the virus. uh, No, this was back in November. Oh. oh. And I haven't been able to find, we hadn't been able to find another midwife or something like that that does like ICI insemination. So we sort of decided to take it into our own hands and try it home to start off with. Um, So yeah, our first, we've only tried once. We tried in February or in the end of February. Um, And then COVID COVID happened. (laughs) My 35th birthday was actually the day that we found out Maddie wasn't pregnant and like Mm. two before Colorado locked down. Well, as you know, if you're you're caught up, I did a home insemination a couple weeks ago, didn't work. And I didn't think it was going to work, but I was shocked. (laughs) No, I wasn't shocked, but I was still let down afterwards. But Maddie, how old are you? I'm 33. Yes. Yeah. And do you feel like you're going to keep on trying with the IUIs or ICIs? Yeah, I think we're going to tr- give that a few tries. Um, my, our doctor, just general practice doctor, we talked to her and she has had several patients that have been get, gotten pregnant at, through, at home IPI. Um, amazing. Yeah, so she recommended, given that I didn't have any risk. I mean, we haven't done exen- extensive testing, but since I don't have any major risk factors, or you know, there's no reason to think that I couldn't get pregnant easily. Yeah. When you met each other, I don't know. When you met each other, were you thinking uh, ahead at all about when? So we met on OkCupid. So we had profiles of each other that we saw and mm-hmm. I have always been very clear that I want kids like mm-hmm. for me that was a deal breaker I was like sorting people out if they said they weren't interested in having kids because I was what my late 20s so I was definitely like I'm, I'm ready to settle down and ready to start the process but I don't think he was he wasn't opposed to it but you weren't as I was indifferent about kids honestly but I think that part of the reason that I was indifferent about kids is that I I have a like a weird relationship with my family and that made me a little bit uncomfortable you know I'm there's a part of me that's worried I'm going to turn into my mother who is (laughs) we we don't have the greatest relationship Mm -hmm. Um, and my childhood was kind of rough and I just I didn't I didn't ever see myself having kids, but I wasn't indifferent to it. But then I met Maddie, who really wanted kids. And all of a sudden, I could see myself raising kids with her. And kids became something that I was more excited about. And now yeah. I'm, like, super excited all about in. being a dad. Like, oh, like all yeah. in. So Yeah. And Maddie, how did you feel knowing you wanted kids? Um, how did it feel entering a relationship with a trans man? Um, I mean, I'm queer, so I'm not – it's not like it was – him or cis men right. I always knew that the possibility of having kids was going to be something that you'd have to figure out navigate yeah yeah you know for me once I had a partner that I wanted to have kids with you know I'm kind of now all in and it became a I I work in veterinary medicine so I'm very you know I'm very medically oriented I, I know a lot about and I always want to know all the answers and all of it so I've, I've delved into everything and looked at how, you know, how we should do it at home. And it's silly, but after, you know, our first attempt, I was looking at diagrams of how exactly I should be, you know, inserting the syringe. And (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's it's been a very, like, very, like, for me, it's been a very, very much a process of like, knowing all the information. And and, um, I think one reason that I really like listening to your podcast to bring it back to that is that you bring sort of the human side to it that I think that Maddie has that where I sort of, 
I, I really want kids and I want it to be, you know, part of us having kids, but in my head, because it's something that, you know, we have to make everything work the best. And it's, so it's just been, for me, I like, sometimes I feel a little bit like I'm, I'm making it too scientific. So, yeah. And I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think part of that too is you not contributing genetically. Yeah. Mm, and I, yeah. I, I do have a lot of guilt sometimes that I like for us to have kids because I'm, not a genetic like I'm not a bio man I'm not a cis man I like it it becomes more complicated it becomes more expensive you know if I was a cis man we could just go have a lot of sex and hope that we get pregnant and it's now become this whole nother layer of figuring things out so that's been that's been something that I've had a hard time like I feel guilty a lot what wait what's the guilt part that it it, it's harder you know we can't just Uh. So, and it, it, you know, I know that we both, Oh, you feel like it's your fault that you guys can't just do this. Oh, I see. Yeah. Whereas for me, he's the man that I decide to marry and he's the man that Mm -hmm. I want to be my partner and be the father to my children. So for me, it's like irrelevant, you know, however we have to get there, it's worth it because I'm doing with him. Yeah. A hundred percent. So there's a sperm bank here in Colorado, in Northern Colorado. And we chose them partially, I mean, we can go pick up the sperm, which is, I mean, yeah. when we, when, when we brought yeah. it home, we had to actually like, we like seat belted into the car, <laughs> yeah. like, cause you have to keep yeah. it upright. Yeah. And so it was very much a like, so we chose them just because they're here. Um, and they're, you know, I think looking at prices and stuff, they were a little bit cheaper too than like getting it from like Seattle or California and some of the other places. And then we chose a donor. We tried to get a donor that had physical traits and heritage similar to me. So, I mean, unfortunately, Maddie's got dark skin and dark eyes and dark hair that I think will... It's going to win out. Win yeah. out on my, like, turn red if the sun looks at me blonde. <laughs> um, yeah. But we did, try and, we did try and pick out someone that was, you know, I'm, I'm six feet tall and I'm a big guy. So we wanted someone that was, you know, bigger. You know, we wanted, like, someone around, around my size. Yeah. So... We, we did that. And then we also wanted the sperm banks has on their information. Like if they have, if that donor has recorded pregnancies, mm-hmm. which may just be us being silly, but it also was just something that we were like, this, we can control this, you know, yeah, this right. sperm donor doesn't have any recorded pregnancies. So maybe there's something wrong with the sperm. So. So when are you trying? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters, May 17th, Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Again? We're trying next cycle. Yeah. Yeah. We tracked ovulation and everything for her cycle right now. And we're waiting for her period to come and then we'll try the next. So it'll be mid, mid June that we plan on trying. And are you doing one vial or two? We keep going back and forth about that. The first time we only did one vial because my doctor did say, she said that um, doing two vials doesn't really increase the chances of pregnancy very much it's like negligible so we only did one but i keep going back and forth because pinpointing that timing is so hard yeah that part of me wants to do two just to sort of like cover our bases you know yeah i i feel like i wish i had done two last month i don't know it would have taken a lot of the pressure off but again it's you're spending so much more money on something that might not you know doesn't have a great rate of success yeah rate of success Yeah. You know, and we did put things on hold for COVID, but it's sort of like, I think you sort of came to the same conclusion is that, I mean, we don't know when things are going to be normal anymore. So might as well just keep trying. And we both are essential workers. So we're both, we both go to work every day. And what Uh, do you do? I forgot to ask you, Kaz. um, I'm a veterinary technician. Oh, yes. You you said that. I'm sorry. I work at, I work at CSU at the Colorado State University at the vet school hospital. Um, I'm an overnight technician in the critical care unit. So I like work with dogs that I, you know, take care of dogs that have had open heart bypass surgery and are, you know, critically ill. So my goodness, Um, (laughs) you know, so I, I work in medical and there, I mean, I feel a little bit more comfortable now, but 
we're with the state of Colorado as medical professionals, we're actually contracted out that if, if they, the state of Colorado needs us to go take care of humans, we're expected to go take care of humans to the best of our ability. If things were to get really bad, like, and we at, at the vet hospital shipped all of our, we have ventilators and things like that, that we actually shipped them all to the human hospitals. We got them all cleaned up and sent a bunch of our like mechanical ventilators as well as surgical ventilators to the human hospitals in the area to help out. So it was for a little while, it was a little bit scary because I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to end up having to do. I know that we both had sort of a lot of mixed feelings when I got that, you know, my period finally came last time we tried. Because like Taz mentioned, it was like three days before Colorado shut down. So I had this very like, part of me was just so, so sad. And then part of me was like, well, maybe it's best if I'm not pregnant right now because we don't know what COVID does to early pregnancy. And, you know, I'm like he said, we're both essential workers, so I can't stay home for nine months. So yeah, and that's been for me trying to think about like when what needs to happen for me to feel safe trying again and kind of coming to the conclusion that like we just don't know so we might as well just keep trying because yeah (laughs) but we we decided I think we decided at the beginning of May that we wanted to start thinking about like trying again and going back to really documenting when we thought Maddie was ovulating and um just as a you know We just sort of both, I think Maddie had come to it before I did, and maybe I'm speaking for you, that, like, we don't know, and we might as well just keep going, you know, might as well start trying again, um, because what's our normal going to (laughs) be? There's no knowing what your fertility is going to be like until you start trying, and there's no knowing what's going to be like, what's going to happen with coronavirus, and so you've got to just go for it. And part of me has this weird guilt about continuing to try because I, I sort of think that like we're making a conscious decision to try and it's this one shot one time a month. So it's a very calculated and conscious decision to try and get pregnant right now when things are so tough. So part of me feels guilty about that, which is silly because there are so many other people who are cis couples who are continuing to try right now. And I don't think that they think about that. Yeah. Absolutely. If something were to go wrong, the only person to blame would be yourself. Whereas a a straight couple or whatever. Yeah, straight? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Cis hat, yeah. (laughs) Is it basically the same? No. Uh, Cis is, uh, cis and trans are gender identities, whereas uh, like heterosexual is like a. So then would you say cis straight couple? Cis hat. Cis hat? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've like, never heard that. Yeah, yeah. cis heterosexual. So. Oh, het. I thought you yeah. said hat. Cis het. Yeah. No. I'd like a hat on your head. No. no. <laughs> cis het. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It's just not fair. It's not fair. They yeah. wouldn't blame themselves for accidentally getting pregnant. Like, exactly. oh, it's meant to be. So it's not yeah. our fault. Yeah. It's, we have a lot more. We. We. we I'm. I'm cis het. <laughs> no, but your. But your journey is also not the typical one. So. Right, right. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're also making calculated decisions to keep trying, and yeah. you know, it's all keep, on us. Yeah. So, whereas you know, and I think I actually, you know, at the beginning, you probably saw that there were a bunch of like memes and things on Facebook about think about all the quarantine babies that are gonna yeah. you know, be happening, and those those were really rough for me to see because I was like, we would love to have a quarantine. Baby, yeah. But yeah. Like, it's this whole like calculated risk for us. And we weren't sure for a while if the sperm bank was going to stay open. And so there was just a lot of, there's just been a lot of questions and now it's just sort of like, okay, well we don't have any of the answers. So we might as well just forge ahead. Like, I mean, you're, you're doing yeah. an egg retrieval soon or an egg a transfer, an embryo transfer, transfer. embryo yeah. transfer soon. And I mean, you don't have all the answers and you don't know what's going to happen if you no. do get pregnant and no. you know, um, but you're making the decision to, keep going and whereas like we just talked about like a cishet couple can just be like oh well oops yeah it was meant to be (laughs) (laughs) if it turns out that you um have any struggles you're gonna hear a lot of um well don't think about it and you'll get pregnant (laughs) yeah Yeah. one of my very close friends has been trying for almost three years and she's cishet and she uh-huh. a couple but yeah she talks about that all the time she's like telling me to calm down is not going to make me calm down yeah and babies are conceived in all sorts of situations so like, yeah. yeah 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 but then in our scenario it's not going to just happen 
it yeah, has oh to God. be incredibly calculated and yeah. intentional. Yeah, so it's, it's not going to happen when we stop thinking about it. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We told nobody. We didn't we, really tell people because when we, we first, didn't when we first with our first attempt because we mm-hmm. just we have this we have this chat group that we like met some people through Facebook that we've become really like close friends with and it's just like a chat that we have and we all check in on each other and I think they were the only people that we told just because we and did. my best friend too. yeah and and her and her best friend and my one of my very best friends also knew just because I was like I'm gonna need someone to be like I'm panicking <laughs> yeah. um, because the two week wait was awful oh my god a nightmare I don't know how how people do it so many times no. <laughs> it's like you just get used to it you get numb. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I, it's going to take a long time for you guys. It could be I really mean, quick. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was testing like every day and I, <laughs> I was just driving myself crazy. And my friends were who have, who have been through like trying were like, stop testing. Wait until day 14, test then. But like, <laughs> it's not going to make it appear yeah, the more I, you test. I think, I think you started testing on like day four. Yeah, way, just way, we- <laughs> way too early. <laughs> and, and then like every little thing, it was like, oh, is that a symptom? Like, yeah. Like she yes. was like, yes. like we have five dogs and one of the dogs, like three of the dogs eat like fish, they, they eat like salmon dog food or like uh-huh. trout dog food and it smells like fish and Maddie doesn't really like the smell to begin with, but like she would feed them in the mornings and be like, "Oh my I, god, I would I'm get nauseous. really nauseous." Like, yeah. nauseous. <laughs> it's crazy. Our brains are yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it was uh, very much a like, "Oh, is that a sign? Is Sim- that a sign?" Yeah, yeah symptom like, spotting. Are we like, you know? <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah. The, um, oh, implantation bleeding. Yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. So. God. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking everything that you could possibly think was a symptom. But since then, I just made this decision to to oppose every symptom I had because even when I did get pregnant twice, I didn't feel any symptoms. <laughs> That's what I've heard a lot. The people who say that their successful cycles don't feel, don't notice any symptoms or there was nothing that they... So there's no, there's no way to know. No. I don't know what happens with your hormones, but the happy and the sad ones going up and down, I just feel like the less you let them go up, the less low they're going to go And if you don't get that positive. But I don't know if that makes you seem too negative and not positive enough. So. It's hard to find the right balance because I do yeah. want to get excited. I do want to think about like, yeah, hopefully when I am pregnant and, you know, we go, I think both of us have different. Like, I, I, I don't want to think about the future or try and plan for it because I'm like, well, we're just going to jinx it. Yeah. Whereas he's much more, like, likes thinking about that. I mean, I, I have, like, there's been times when I've, like, calculated budgets to, like, how much can we afford for childcare? And, like, are we, you know, we have opposite schedules, so it's been talked about, like, are we just going to, like, go back and forth? Or, you know, like, we're all, Maddie will have the baby until I get home from work in the morning and then I'll you know, have it until she gets home and then I'll go to sleep and like, we'll both be functioning on. But even more than that, like he will think about, well, if you get pregnant this time, then in September you'll be this far, you know, this far pregnant and stuff. Whereas I'm like, I can't think about that because (laughs) (laughs) I will jinx it. if we. I like calculate due dates based on, you know, like the last time I was like, if you, and you know, the first try that we had, if if it had been successful, the like due date would have been the anniversary of us getting engaged, and so I was like, "This is perfect." It's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a sign when like, yes. <laughs> which oh it obviously meant nothing. But I'm I'm sure that with the next try, I'd be like, okay, because I think I actually already calculated it, and if the next try works, like the due date will be around my birthday, and so like all. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> and then the other thing that like we've had to think about is you know. I don't. I personally don't want her to be too pregnant in December at the post oh, office yeah. because, huh? you know, the, oh, yeah. the, the post office at Christmas yeah. is is crazy. So I'm like, okay, we have to. You know, if we don't, if it doesn't work this time, we have to wait because I don't. You know, I don't want to worry about her out delivering when she's like super pregnant, but not the post office doesn't offer any like any maternity leave, so none? it'll just none. none. Um, oh so God. I just have to save up my leave and then use FMLA. Oh my god! So, so I mean, thankfully, I get a bunch of paternity. Like, I get a bunch of paternity leave. The state of Colorado gives me four weeks, and then the university just added on an additional three, plus you know any sick time and vacation time that I have. So I could theoretically take like four months off almost. Right. Whereas <laughs> yeah. she was going to have to be giving birth, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I have a question now about the uh, the midwife company. <laughs> yeah. What, what was it called? It was it was a midwife service. I don't center, know. Center, yeah. Center and service. I don't know. So I know that midwives. I think midwives can do IUIs at at home. Yeah. As well. yeah. Yeah. But you don't want to do that, or your place closed. Well, this closed. What they didn't—they didn't do them at home, but they did them in the clinic, and um, they would have you come stay nearby for a couple of days so they could do the two shots. You know how mm. most IUIs are done. Yeah. Um, but they closed, and we haven't found—we haven't found any place that we would feel comfortable going to because a lot of them um, have very like anti-queer, anti—you know—all that like. Not explicit, but sort of underneath. Okay. What they're how they advertise, yeah. and we're not comfortable going really? to that kind of a clinic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that seems explicit. There are a lot of places that like have this like vague undertone of like family first, but like straight yeah. family is the only way for families, and come to us after you've you know. It, there's a lot of wording about well, if it's not working for you at home. You know, yeah. and there's a lot of wording in how they collect the sperm, and a lot of them don't do donor sperm and things like that. So yeah. there's a lot of like undertones of like weird. Do you straight- think that's? Do you think that's just your area that you're in, or do you think that's um, something you'd encounter anywhere in the country? I, I think they're uh, everywhere. Um, Colorado is a purple state, so right. it has you know pockets of blue, um, and even in some of those pockets, we found places that also will. The, in addition to the fertility services, they also ho- offer like pregnancy help, which is you know, don't come to us for an abortion. We'll help you with like, you know, yeah. they their family planning clinics. You know, those ones that are like kind of shady about whether yeah. they're they're going to give you choices or not, and these right. are clear like. Yeah, so and we're not comfortable having a doctor's. Me, I'm not comfortable seeing doctors that are very anti-abortion, anti. You know, no, no. I mean, we have a general practice doctor that we like absolutely love, and so I think that if after a couple of tries of that home, we're not successful, we'll probably go back to Doctor Glasgow and like talk to her about what the next steps are. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know how much our insurance covers in terms of it's. It's a little unclear in terms of fertility services. I know it doesn't cover IVF if we get to IVF, so and yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just know. thought that a midwife could come to your house and, and, and put it up your into your uterus. <laughs> I'm sure there are some, but this one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can't we can't seem to find ones that do, so. Yeah. So if any of your listeners have resources <laughs> yeah. in, Colorado, in Colorado. Yeah, well, honestly, um, I mean, they might. They might. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you've only been to a doctor so far, a general practitioner or yeah. gynecologist? Just a general practitioner. Yeah, yeah. But she's, she's very queer friendly. So it's sort of, yeah. she was a good starting point. And she's supporting couple, like couples in our position, yeah. like in our situation before. So she was a good starting point. And I think, you know, she wants us to just sort of see how things go for a little while. Yeah. Because I think, I, I mean, I think that she's sort of like, let's make this as stress, like as low stress as possible, yeah. even though it's going to be high stress regardless. So yeah. I'm thinking about those vials and how many you need. Yeah. Wait, I mean, was it your doctor that said only one is necessary? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to talk bad. I'm not saying anything negative about what she's saying, but just from my, my own personal experience, it feels like if the egg lasts 24 hours and you put the sperm in two early it's gonna die before that and then if you i don't know i just feel like you could hit it from both angles but yeah no i'm I'm totally with you where i'm like well but if i have two shots that you know at two different times yeah that makes more sense it's not like you're gonna put them in at at the same time no yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a very weird balance between like do we give ourselves a better chance or do we and, and like spend the extra money or do we you know spend more spend the 550 for one vial now, and then maybe if it doesn't work, we gather some more information and start. I mean, one of the things we haven't done is like basal body temperature and like start mm-hmm. like maybe charting, like Maddie can start charting her basal, basal body temperature too. And maybe we try and pinpoint it even better and like the next yeah. time try two vials. So it's it's something we haven't necessarily figured out. Yeah. I, I don't think there is a right answer. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. Because also my my RE, my reproductive endocrinologist last time, Dr. Kalen, um, he had said that the likelihood it, that it doesn't increase if you do two vials either. But I just don't see how it 
it's possible to not help. Yeah. I mean, I assume she's smarter than I am. So I assume she knows what she's talking about, but yeah, yeah I don't, you know, <laughs> she's, she's differently smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think my gut sort of says like, let's try one more time with one and then go to two. And then if the two doesn't work, then maybe we go back and, and start looking at to see if IVF is something we can figure out how to afford or just, right. you know, do things like trigger shots, you know, do yeah. a medicated cycle yeah. and see how yeah. that does. Yeah. And so. monitored with a with the ultrasounds and see how yeah. you know, when yeah. your follicles are gonna mm-hmm. let go. Kaz, I keep wanting to ask I don't know how much I want to ask you about trans stuff because I don't know if it's seems trite or boring or, or just not important to you. Like I don't want that to be the definition of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. But but I'm I'm also thinking from my listeners' perspectives, like if they might have questions for you. Yeah, I mean, ask away. So. Uh, but I can't think of any questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any trans men. I only know trans women. So I think I think that that is a lot of case for people. I think that a lot of trans men are a lot more sort of hidden than mm-hmm. trans women. Um, we, to a certain extent, have it a little bit easier, and that it's easier for it's a lot easier for us to pass as men than it is for trans women to pass as women because Mm -hmm. of facial features and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, testosterone very quickly, like changed my fit. Like if you look at pictures of me from even like just like a year before I started transition medically transitioning and a year after my face shape has become much more angular. Like my body shape hasn't changed that much, but my face shape has changed. Like it's much more angular um, and like I have facial hair now, not as much as I'd like. I'd love to have a big <laughs> bushy beard, but my facial hair. That looks like a lot of facial hair. Yeah. That's, it's a genetic, you know, um, and my hairline is receding and I'm Because of the up. testosterone? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, wow. it's gonna, like not everyone experiences it, but it's, it's definitely, it's a very common, it's a very common thing. And wow. a lot of trans men will actually take like Rogaine and Finasteride and things like that to try and c- combat it. And I just have sort of embraced the fact that like, <laughs> and it works. I'm balding and my hairline is receding, so I might as well just shave my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. Um, yeah, it looks good. You know, I, thank you. I think I think as a trans man, I'm 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 not out. Isn't the right word? I mean, I guess out is the right word. Like I'm in my day to day life. Most people don't know that I'm trans, just because mm. right now it's not like in my everyday life, it's not a super important part of my identity. Like it, it is, but to a certain extent, it's not because. And I think I have an advantage in that it's been 10 years. You know, yeah. I've been on testosterone for 10 years. I've had top surgery. You know, I've had a hysterectomy and, and all of that. Taken. I haven't had any sort of bottom surgery, but and I don't know that I will, but that's, you know. <laughs> that's not a public thing. <laughs> that's not a public thing. You know, it just I, I won't say that on the thing. No, you no, can't. No, 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 can't. I just meant that, like, the when he passes someone on the street. You don't say, hey, I, I don't have bottom yeah. surgery yet. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not someone's... <laughs> No one's going to clock that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I think that it's a lot easier for me to do that than it is for trans women. And I think that that puts me, I, it does put me in a little bit of a weird spot with us trying because I can't talk about trying. Like I have a, a coworker whose wife is actually, I think his wife is being, what's the date? Today's the 30th. His wife is being induced on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, him and I have had a lot of conversations and we're a similar age. And, you know, he, I had told him that we were trying, but I didn't tell him like how we were trying. <laughs> right. Um, and it, you know, it, 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 it was a weird thing for me and that I could relate to him, but also I felt very alien because I was like, well, we're not just having a lot of sex. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. And he doesn't know that you're trans. He doesn't know that I'm trans. Right. No one at work knows that I'm trans. I have not come out to anyone at work. Um, not, be, not, and it's never because I'm ashamed of being trans. It's just it's more just of a, like, like, seems like it's a, a lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And then some people, when they find out it becomes like a thing, you know, mm-hmm. whereas, and he just wants to be himself at work. Yeah, you know, I just want to be myself at work. And, you know, our job is stressful enough and uh, there's enough going on that, like, I don't want I don't want to be, like, the trans guy and I don't want to be, right. you know... Um, so it's a, it's a weird... It's a weird balance, you know? Like I said, I'm not ashamed of being trans. It's just something that, like, it doesn't define me in the same way that it maybe did five years ago, even. Right. Six years ago, seven years ago, when I was still... Because it, you know, I was working at a Starbucks when I first started transitioning and customers knew me as my dead name. And then I sort of had to like 
work in the like actually no I'm going by Kaz now and like my my dead name and Kaz are actually pretty similar so it wasn't like that hard of a transition Uh but like still being called like a woman or ma'am or miss you know for a a long time was was really difficult and so it became sort of I had to come out to all my coworkers and be like this is what's going on and and now it just doesn't feel like it's necessary and it feels more of a like it doesn't matter and like they don't they don't need to know I'm not asking a straight guy, like, how big is your dick on a regular You're basis? Right. <laughs> you know? I am. <laughs> I mean, fair. <laughs> that, totally fair. Um, but, I, you know, it's not like something that, that they don't need to know what's – I don't need to know what's in their pants and they don't need to know what's in my pants. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And for all my trans listeners <laughs> um, who are younger and uh, – thinking about transitioning physically what do you think about preserving your fertility uh, I know that you said that you didn't that it wasn't necessarily something that was on your mind before I think that if it's something that you I mean it's it's expensive storing your eggs is expensive like preserving right. your eggs is expensive but I, I do think that if it's something you know I would say that if it's something that you can do it might be worth it or think about do you really want a hysterectomy do you want to wait you know part of the reason I had a hysterectomy when I did is that I had fibroids Mm. um and like testosterone is supposed to stop your period and it wasn't always stopping my period I was having weird like breakthrough bleeding and I also at the time top surgery wasn't covered by insurance companies and Uh I was looking I was facing several thousand dollars for top surgery and I was like well I need to have a surgery I need to have some sort of like I've been Mm -hmm. on testosterone and I need to have some sort of surgery that shows yeah. that I'm like moving forward in my medical transition. So yeah. Um, moving forward, showing you that you're moving forward. Yeah. Not, out, yeah. not to everybody not else. Out. Yeah. But yeah. just for myself to be like, I'm doing something because it felt at the time, like, I mean, I didn't have top surgery until two years ago. Yeah. It was after um, we met. Like, yeah. Surgery. Yeah. Oh. We were engaged and almost, you know, we got married, what, three months after I had top surgery. Yeah. yeah. So, so the hysterectomy for you was more symbolic and made you feel more like yourself. Yeah, and I didn't have to like worry about that. You know, I think that it was have to worry about the the breakthrough, bleeding, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it became, but I, I do kind of like I said, I do wish that I had preserved my eggs. And I know a couple of a couple of trans guys that have actually stopped, like they did haven't had hysterectomies, and they've stopped taking testosterone so that there can be an egg retrieval. Uh-huh. So that their partner can be implanted with the embryo from their egg. So the um, hormone treatments can be stopped, and you can go back to original. You can go back downstairs to, stuff. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So you you will start having a cycle again if you stop the testosterone. It takes a little bit of a, a little while, and not everyone does. Wow. But you can start having a cycle again. I mean, there are trans men that get pregnant. That is sort of. That I have a very visceral negative reaction to that, but that's a whole other. That's my own personal. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm curious about. I want to ask about it, but then again, you have to go to work soon. So yeah, I might, not, I might not dig into that, but um, um, so it's possible. And I think that I think that I would recommend that to maybe just think about holding on the hysterectomy. So that you have the option of retrieving, because I think that retrieving your eggs later, like going off of testosterone, one of the guys I know that did it was only off of testosterone for like four months before uh-huh. he was able, they were able to get a good egg and, you know, his wife was implanted. And Couldn't you uh, take out the uterus and leave the ovaries and do a, a retrieval that way too? You could, yeah. So, but I just, I think that if at all possible, leave your ovaries. Mm. Leave um, the options open. Leave to leave the options yeah. open, especially when you're younger. You know, think about that. Think about, because I was 25 when I started transitioning and that is, wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. And I wish someone had told me like, yeah. think about it. Because I didn't, they didn't need to take my ovaries when I had my hysterectomy. They could have left them, but I just sort of said, get rid of it all. Like, yeah. I don't want any female reproductive organs in my body at all like get rid of it all and I wish I sort of wish that I hadn't done that done that but like I said before hindsight is 2020 so yeah but that would be my recommendation is is if you can at least preserve your eggs like in in your in your body because that's a cheaper storage method (laughs) what about I wonder so trans trans women um who don't undergo any kind of a surgery can do a donation anytime uh, I think that they have to stop estrogen. They ha- would have to stop okay. estrogen for a while. I don't know okay. for sure. Yeah, and then if they are going to do a, a, a bottom surgery, freeze some sperm. 
Freeze yeah. a bunch of sperm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sperm storage is a lot cheaper than egg storage. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, that, get. Yeah. yeah. That was part of it for you, too, was just the price. The price. The yeah. Yeah. You're 25, a young trans guy. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm not going to spend all my money on egg storage right now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Can you imagine if there was money for these things, if people like insurance or if there was funding for alternative stuff just yeah. for all of us? Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the people who do the funding, first of all, I think a lot of them are bigoted in that. They want a cis man and a cis woman to have a kid. But I think there's also a lot of people who just don't think about that. This isn't like necessarily a last resort for some people. It's the only way I'm going to get pregnant is with these medical interventions. So it's not. It's not it's not a an easy elective choice. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's a choice similar to the choice that you made that you were like, I want to be pregnant and I want to have a child, so I'm not going to wait for a partner. Right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm so honored. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll thank Josie for putting it, you know, for going on and and putting it in my ear. Mm -hmm. So. Well, have um, a good night at work, and then Maddie, yeah. have a good night relaxing. Thank you, I will. <laughs> yeah, she's off tomorrow. I'm off so. tomorrow, so I get to. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great! I hope the um, ICI goes swimmingly. Yeah, for yeah, you. We'll, we'll in a couple you know, weeks. If we yeah. have a pregnancy. I'll let, let you know. know. Oh my god, I would be yeah. so excited. I would love to hear that good news. Well, and good luck with your with your implantation. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Fingers crossed it it works this time. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. But thank you again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, keep me posted. Yes, All right, will do. All right. Bye. Bye, you guys. Thanks again. Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much, Kaz and Maddie, for chatting with me. Listeners, I encourage you all to order some books on racism, to watch some documentaries on mass incarceration, to start conversations with friends and families, to donate to organizations that are actively combating racism, to use your white privilege to support black folks, and to be a better ally, and to go out to local protests and show your support and to protect and be a barrier between the police and black people. Or start your own protest on your own street corner, even if you're just standing out there with your own sign that says Black Lives Matter or White Silence is Violence, because it is. If you want to reach me, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at SpermCast. You can text me or leave me a voicemail at 323-741-1818. You can email me at SpermCast at gmail.com. You can join the Patreon and have access to all kinds of extra content at patreon.com forward slash SpermCast. Support the podcast by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. Or contribute financially via Venmo, sending money to molly-hockey. And don't forget, if you're feeling like you need a little bit of extra support, you're going through fertility treatments, you need an ear, or maybe you're just trying to decide if you want to be a single mother by choice, or you, you just need to talk it out with somebody. I'm here, I'm still doing fertility consultations. You can email me at spermcast at gmail.com, and I'll give you more information about that. I love you all so much, and I will see you in a week. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball, from gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite, I just need sperm, spermcast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 